X's for Podcast is brought to you by the Cage Club Network. So for all things movies, music, media, comics, and more, check out Cage Club at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hey everybody, welcome back to X's for Podcast, the show where we take a look at the many adventures of Marvel's Merry Mutants week after week through their many vaunted titles. I'm Nico, and you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at NicoAction, that's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N, and today we have a killer show for you. We're going to kick things off with one of my favorite titles, Sword, before making our way to a guy who's not quite an X-Man, but you know what, these days he's not quite an Avenger or an Eternal either, and that's Black Knight. But first things first, Sword number four keeps the series firmly ensconced in the events of King in Black. Now, this is the third issue in the King in Black event for Sword, which is such a bold idea considering Sword had only gotten one full issue out and quite a long, amazing issue at that. But this put them in the middle of an event right as they were starting their opening salvo. We've seen that from a number of titles in the Dawn of X era, but maybe not quite so intense as here. Now, the title hasn't suffered for that with its ability to focus on a number of characters interacting with the overwhelming sense of dread and dark that this event has brought. As always, Rod Raven and Robbie have such a blast and make it so exciting to talk about this title. From the art to the character and the story nuance, we loved this issue and we hope you guys love our coverage of it. Hello everyone and welcome to the next segment of X is for Podcasts. I am Rod. You can find me at Rod Kamada on Twitter and Instagram. And today we have with us Raven. Hey, it's Raven, a.k.a. Dame Red Bento. Go ahead and come over and find me on Twitter. Um, I'm there quite often. I'd love to hear from you. I've always got opinions on everything, so by all means. (laughs) And today with us, we also have Robbie. Hey, everyone. I'm Robbie. You can find me at Age of Players on Twitter. Nice. And today we'll be talking about Sword, issue number four, which is written by Al Ewing. The artist is Valerio Shidi, and the color artist is Martin Garcia, and the letter is Vicis Ariana Mari. All right, y'all. So today, what did y'all think about Sword? Uh, I, I mean, it's always good. It was fun. Like my favorite series right now. Well, one of the top five, at least. So. Right. <laughs> But, like, this is the continuation of King and Black for Sword. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think this is its third issue in the King and Black series. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and it actually, it melds well. I was, I was pleasantly surprised by that because I was really worried that it was going to like jump all over the place and we're in, you know, King and Black and then we wouldn't be in in King and Black. And I was like, oh, I hope this was up. But I I like the fact that they've stayed with it and just, it's still, it's still so delicious. Like, I eat up every, every page of it. Oh, so good. Mm-hmm. Oh, love it. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely. I I mean, this issue had a lot of good stuff for me. I mean, even talking about the first page, frenzy, mm-hmm. getting in like the deep, like no venom space. And being like, where am I? What's happening? I'm alone in the dark. And I'm like, ooh, that means we're going to get deeper into Frenzy. And I'm so excited. I'm like, yes, Mm -hmm. I want to do that. So that was really fun to get into that. Mm -hmm. And then I was really excited for to see Nullified Cable. Yeah, that was really badass. Like, I was, oh, I love it. It's demented, but so good. I love the fact that that we get to see Frenzy fighting back. Because she is probably one of the most uh, strong 
willed people out there and it kind of it kind of shows like the depth of her fortitude when it comes to it because she's not just all muscle she's a lot of you know willpower a lot of heart a lot of you know mental so it was great to see her immediately fighting back and i feel like it really shows it really gives the character growth of she knows who she is because mm-hmm. if you think about it um throughout this whole like event of king of black whenever he takes over people he's really feeding on people's insecurities mm-hmm. and like digging into that so he can take over people better mm-hmm. and so if you're facing with a person that really is sure of themselves then it's mm-hmm. easier for them to break out because you have nothing to latch on to mm-hmm. it's oh, so good so good oh loved it <laughs> robbie what did you think of the third page of this issue with um i forget his name fabian but- cortez yeah fabian cortez and sunfire being um, eaten alive <laughs> that that shit was brutal as fuck and mm-hmm. now fabian i was like yeah th- that that sucked with sunfire i feel real bad for him <laughs> Yeah, and and was, it, you know, oof. and that was kind of. I mean, yeah, we're probably gonna see Sunfire another issue, but it was kind of mm-hmm. a little sad because it was kind of like we barely have gotten like we barely seen his character yet much. Mm-hmm. Like I get the, in issue two, we saw him, and then now he's just you know some bones. But yeah, maybe hopefully we'll see him. <laughs> And another issue soon, but that that shit was brutal and sad as fuck. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was super super messed up. And oh man, like it was, it's bad enough that it happened to them, but it happened to them via a like a friend or confidant or person that they had, you know, like a teammate basically. Mm-hmm. And just dude, just killed him. I was like, damn, holy yeah. crap! And he did that in front of uh, he did that in front of Manifold, and it's like, oh my god every from like oh this is the whole sword team and now there's oh man i was oh it, it was shocking it was definitely shocking yeah was, and he did it with uh, such ease speechless. such ease like nothing like yeah. oh here's a little trick <laughs> yeah I, I was like, I didn't think we were going to ever, because so far we haven't really seen Noel do this. Like, mm-hmm. they basically eat someone or absorb their life force like this to, to the, all the way to their skulls. Mm-hmm. Like, I haven't seen this in, I haven't even seen this in the main story, like the main event book. So mm-hmm. when I saw this on Sword, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, whoa, this is like, I, like, I know it's kind of like they can do whatever because, you know, mutants can come back. So they're really like, mm-hmm. oh, he was like, oh, well, they can just come back. So yeah, we're gonna kill them, kill them. Um, which kind of is nice because you can see like the horror of the aspect of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. But man, this is the probably the most horrific thing I've seen the whole event, and I'm glad that came out of an X book. That's really awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Oh. Uh, and then we go back to the peak, the sword station one, mm-hmm. and I'm glad we get more of badass whiz kid or oh God, almost yes. badass whiz kid and him being like very sarcastic with Abigail <laughs> being yeah. like, you can't tell me what to do. Like it's, I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> right. Oh, I love uh, that. I want their clothing. Oh my god. Oh yeah. I mean, we haven't even talked about the beauty. We talked about the horror. We ain't talked about the beauty of this book. Right. Like Bar- Viero. Ugh, I can't even say his name. Viero Shidi. Mm-hmm. Spectacular art. Oh my god. Yes. And oh, Marty god. Garcia. Yeah, and I think I think Brand is wearing yet another new outfit, and I'm just like, oh girl, I want your closet. 
Right. I wish I was one of those, like, really, like, incredible cosplayers that could just make shit out of nothing. Could you imagine mm-hmm. making those jackets? Oh, my God. Mm. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait please. until COVID is over. We're going to see, I mean, there's, like, so many X-Fans. We're going to see so mm-hmm. much cosplay oh, yeah. with all these things. I hope we see a group of friends doing, like, sword. Oh, hell yeah. Like, amazing. please. Oh, I, I want to see, I want to see the pictures. I want to see them doing the poses. I want to see them like killing each other. <laughs> just like I want to see all of it. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that was great that that uh, WizKid found kind of that that workaround to the whole communication problems that they were having. And it's like, uh, oh, oh, that's kind of like that's brilliant. But the fact that he's going to basically save Mentello. <laughs> I know. I love the whole, the whole Mentallo thing. Oh, I don't even think oh we're not even at that part yet. But like with um, Abigail talking to Hope and being like, "Well, if Xavier dies, we have Mentallo," and she's like, um, "Yeah, no, <laughs> that's like one. Yeah, like that's not that's not a solution, right? Uh, it's menta- uh, the bottom of the telepathic like barrel, all right? <laughs> barely." T- and I love how Hope says that's like using a car wash to restore the Mona Lisa. I'm like, damn, bitch. <laughs> Read him for filth to his face. This is the hope yeah. that I miss. Yes, because ho- one thing that I really miss about her from years back is that she's a character that does not care and she doesn't hold back. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's for sure. Like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, I I really miss her. And this was a good spotlight for her, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And I just love the whole interaction. I love that we get more of the five. Like, I know we get a lot of the five mm-hmm. in X Factor too, but I love that we get the five in this as well and just different art styles. I want to see them everywhere. I'm like, mm-hmm. they do so much for the Krakoa community. They should yeah. get more screen time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. yeah I'm, I'm absolutely with you on that. And I would love to see more of them because I got back into comics at the point after them. So like trying to go back and sort through all the issues to figure out exactly how they work and a bit more of their personalities and whatnot is, uh, that's a daunting task. But yeah. oh my God, to like, to get to see them in this issue loved it thank you i mean and they all have like such interesting backstories some more than others but like hope and and i like that also we get little like kind of a art flashback of like hox pox with hope talking to abigail like how um gene was talking to everybody else when they were going to the you know the bad guy spaceship to the sun the evil racist people (laughs) that were trying to kill us and they all died <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. They're back now though. It's okay. We can talk about it. It's fine. <laughs> it's not too soon. They're fine. So. Right, right. <laughs> but I thought that was a nice little art callback. I and I love the the fact that even though Hope is is kind of young and she doesn't necessarily have a huge position of power in Krakoan society, she doesn't back down to Abigail Brand at all. Like she's like, mm, nope, 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 nope. Screw yourself. Eat a bag of dicks. That's not gonna happen. I'm like, damn, she ain't taking no shit from no one. That's the one thing I will give to Cable mm-hmm. is that he raised a badass daughter. Oh, hell yeah. All right? Because she can take command and she can defend herself. Mm-hmm. So that right there, did a good job. <laughs> he was a good father. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so... 
we get another like Robbie. What did you think of the Wiz Kid uh, moment where he's coming in, being like, "I can take care of y'all. It's fine. I got these little nullified creature things." I really loved it, especially when he kind of like he latches himself yeah. onto the machine and kind of like onto overrides it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and oh I like that because um, it really shows more of what he's capable of doing, and mm-hmm. he's definitely a character that's proving that he could really get the team out of like very like unexpected situations. Yeah, I, I liked mm-hmm. it. It was really cute. <laughs> well, it's great because it shows that he thinks ahead because he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, of course I of course I showed up. Of course I can do this. And they're like, what? How? How are you doing this to my tank? He's like, dude, I'm like 30 steps ahead of you. I made sure that I could do this because mm, mm, <laughs> mm, you're you're mm, no, you're you're. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not relying on you to make sure that this goes well. And I like how he does a little diss to like the human race. He's like, some human tech can be can, has its uses, you know. <laughs> not all of it, but you know, I made some of it useful. That's why I teleported <laughs> here. So I love that. And then he's like, Metallo, no, this is this was your baby, but now it's all grown up, and now I got it into a Megazord. <laughs> like, <laughs> He's like, and I'll form the head. (laughs) Right? He's the Red Ranger. I mean, he's already wearing red. So he's got the blue hair. Doesn't the Red Ranger in one of the Power Ranger series have blue hair? I think so. I don't know. You know what? We're going to say yes. Oh, rewrite history. Oh man, I just I love how he just took that right out from under Mattello's feet. Just I I got this. Bam. I mean, I don't think anyone is ever going to take Mattello seriously unless he has, like, some kind of aha moment. I feel like Al Ewing is pretty good at giving Mm -hmm. every character, no matter how big or small in the books that he writes, like, an aha moment, even if it's just a page Mm -hmm. or a few pages. So I'm sure Mattello is going to have that respectful moment at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's not today. So (laughs) it's not today. (laughs) Today was not his moment. Not today, Satan. <laughs> and then we get another badass moment with mm-hmm. one of our with much needed one of our people of color mutants manifold and he is not a teleporter, y'all. Just to let you Mm-mm. know. <laughs> he is not at all. Manifold was my number one excitement for this book. Mm-hmm. So I was waiting for him to have more of like a badass moment like this. Mm-hmm. And especially this being like Hickman's baby. I was like, how you? And you got to take care of it. You'll do good, but still you got to take care of him. Right. And he did. Mm-hmm. He got him. Yeah. Like uh, I read, I read, of course I read Sword 3 and I was just, oh my God, that it was so good. And it was so great to actually see like manifold in action and this this is a beautiful continuation of uh sword three it was so well done and i love the fact that not only is this a person of color he's from australia and i believe he's aboriginal so it's like you you get so much more nuance and like oh it's it's such a good story like oh this is my jam love it Thank (laughs) thank you thank you mr ewing thank you so much this is beautiful Robbie, what did you think of Manifold? Because I know I don't know if you I don't think you have much knowledge about him, right? 
So what did you think of this whole scene of him like yeah. using the universe? I absolutely loved it because I haven't really had the chance to read because he was in Avengers, right? A while <laughs> back. Yeah, I haven't really read that series, but coming to this though, and with the explanation of like how his um power is sort of like him asking the universe for like favors and kind of that um there's just like a sweet connection that he has to the universe and and seeing the way he's kind of like going back and forth with uh null cable and being able to survive (laughs) uh it was i really loved it and i really love the way that ewing is able to describe uh how his abilities work because it's so unique i have not really seen that in damn near not many characters Mm -hmm. oh definitely and i just want to take another moment to say valerio shidi and martin garcia i i mean i feel like i'm watching an a really well animated cart like a movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like it's the art is just so like every panel i'm like i just want to like crop it print it mm-hmm. out in really fine paper and put mm-hmm. it in a frame in my house <laughs> yeah the 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 color scheme and just yeah how everything is done you can you could almost feel the texture you can almost feel like the energy coming off of it it's so beautifully done it just oh and it's yeah it just it grabs you and it draws you in and you honestly you feel like you're watching like a really well done like cartoon movie going on right in front of your eyes and it's oh it's delicious definitely and i i love the contrast of like because you know it's like you know king and black is dark and like goth and like evil and depressing and all that but yeah like oh the world is ending (laughs) (laughs) but like it's such a good contrast of still like colors like you can see everything and like it still looks like it's down and dreary you have that splash of color that really makes each character prop even the good and the evil one and it just it's just i don't i don't even know if how i can even put it towards the so fucking And it, it, it emphasizes the characters even more because, like, you can see Manifold's power. Like, he is able to teleport all those, like, arms of the nullified symbiotes away from him. And that's, like, super impressive. And like they said, he's not even an Omega Love user. Right, right. But, oh, man, he, he's got skill. He's got serious skill. It's, oh, it's so beautifully done. So and, well written. And then I want to ask you, Raven, what mm-hmm. did you think of... Frenzy's badass moment after their whole teleportation fans. If you could hear dogs barking, it was probably because I was making that high fangirl squeal. (laughs) (laughs) Like it was, it was so good. Like, yes, I love Frenzy. And yes, I love watching her disarm Cable. And if you've read the book, you know exactly what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) But not just that, but like you could feel this beautiful motion of it. You could feel like the gravity of it, like the art is so like perfectly done and what i'm really impressed with is how they actually animated um how shidi animated the locks because hair is difficult 
it it can be super super difficult to like really give a good flow to and you can oh you could feel it you could see the way she's like the way she's falling and grabbing something and the locks are just streaming up behind her following that motion i'm like oh it's so well done i just i oh, i could eat this for dinner lunch breakfast brunch 11 z's <laughs> you name it this is just oh i love all of it and the pacing on it is so good pacing is like a number one thing to me because pacing kind of helps get you emotionally involved with it and you know gives you a feel for the story and this pacing is so beautifully well done you feel like you're constantly in motion but you don't feel like you're being rushed through it it's so good love it oh yeah i mean that that's what i'm telling you at this like i feel like i'm watching a movie mm-hmm. watching this i mean I, that's what i feel like i've been doing like this whole series so far but especially this issue it's been very like good well paced but also very like everything's moving everything feels like you're watching it move and it's but there it's still pictures it's drawings it's not moving <laughs> so i i love that she beats the shit out of him i i probably love that for different reasons but i love it uh, I've, I've been i'm very salty today i don't know why i just i just like i just like cable getting hit a little bit <laughs> I, I just, I love how badly she burns him. I know. <laughs> She's yeah. like, you're, you're cable and you have amplified power, but I'm still going to beat the shit. Right. Because I'm, I'm frenzy. Yeah, like, <laughs> when, when, when nullified cable's like, I will kill everything you've ever loved. I will beat your children to death. She's like, the only person I ever love, like, I've only ever loved one person. And if he felt the same way, you'd be my stepson. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> That was really cool. That was that was really cool. That was a callback, I think, to Age of X, correct? Yeah, that, that was Age of X. Because yeah. uh, she was one of the few uh, characters who retained her memories of the event. And mm. I was actually going to comment more on that because that was during a time period when um, the reason she kept her memories was because that was the moment when she realized she wanted to beca- become an X-Men, like to stay a member of the mm. X-Men. So if she would have lost her memory, she would have sort of lost that love that she found in that community that she found. And I was thinking kind of mm. more back to that storyline and since she found herself then, I wonder, had mm-hmm. she gotten her memories taken away, Null probably would have got to her. Mm-hmm. Because that and seeing like the way she breaks out, that callback and everything, how she's able to like, withstand all this. This right here is the frenzy that I fell in love with like 10 years ago when I read Age of X for the first time. And this is honest, like I'm, I'm just lost at words with like, I love it. Like this is the moment I've been waiting for with frenzy ever since like I found out she's going to be a part of the lineup. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. It's perfect. There's like no imperfections with this. Like mm-hmm. the callbacks to everything and mwah, chef's kiss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And especially as a person who has just read Age of X for the first time, I'm slow at reading some things. So, <laughs> but that was, I was like, oh, I get to see this kind of frenzy again. Fun. I, and I'm, I'm kind of thinking, so is loving Cyclops the way to salvation? Is that what that is? <laughs> um, <coughs> is no. that the, is that? Uh, okay, but- but listen, hear me out. 
hear me out. The best, <laughs> some of the best women of the X-Men have all had, you know, a moment where they've, you know, you know, been it's... in love with Cyclops for a minute. The like, look at Emma. cannot see look my at, face. <laughs> look, look at Emma, Jean, Frenzy, Madeline Pryor, you know, Psylocke even, like, had, like, a little tiny, tiny moment in, like, the 90s. Every but... every girl goes through a low moment where she has a weakness, <laughs> and she makes a bad decision, and then she sobers up and gets the fuck out. <laughs> Do I have to remind you that, that freaking Cyclops asked Madeline if she was the oh, reincarnation yeah. of Jean, and she punched him? Like, Yeah, that was great. Mm, oh, no, like, mm, I'm yeah, definitely like that. He's a shit. I am not a Cyclops oh. supporter. <laughs> No, no, no. She's like, I had a really bad drunk night. What did? Oh God! Oh God! Oh, oh God! Get it away! Get it away! Oh, never again. Yeah, I mean, that, remember that was, that was good. We need Madeline to do that again. I mean, Cyclops has been okay in a in, in Hickman's run. Yeah, so, he's, he's he's definitely grown up. He's gotten better, but still, <laughs> keep him away. I mean, they literally have made almost all the X Women like have a thing for him. They even tried to have Storm have a thing for him. It it, it was like. <laughs> It was like <laughs> it was like an no. issue or two, but it wasn't like super Ooh. serious. But they like hinted at it, and I was like, no. Yeah, I'm glad that it didn't go anywhere farther than that. No, can I you sure. can you imagine? Oh, no, no, I refuse. I will not. I refuse. Mm-mm. In the alternate reality, they have the kids sometime. I'm sure. Yeah, mm, I'm pretty sure she was the father. <laughs> speaking speaking of um daddies let's talk about manifold um (laughs) being the father to the universe and getting some like getting fucking sunlight in the palm of his hand making it so it doesn't touch anything else except for the nullified part on cable Mm. like What is that? That was the most. That was like the most amazing part to me in this whole in this whole right. issue. I was blown away completely. Yeah, that was that was freaking amazing. And he's not even an omega level mutant, right? How like how skilled? <laughs> he that that's pure skill right there. He. I feel like okay. So this is like the comparison. He's like the Doctor Strange of like the universe energy i guess would it be called i guess it'd be called universe energy i don't know i feel like al ewing's probably gonna talk about that more because i'm confused on what it actually is <laughs> is he like the space stone kind of you know like he can like well i think he i think he literally talks to the universe mm-hmm. um a, a good example of this is a, in aboriginal culture there's something called the rainbow bridge and they have like there's a connection to the universe to the the earth to everything that is around them and you don't just take as you please you ask mm. so like there, i think there's a really deep spiritual connection that he has with the universe and that his mutant gift is being able to talk to the universe much in the same way storm talks to nature and weather Ooh, and the yeah. earth so yeah i think i think it is literally him talking to the universe asking for this uh for for these things to happen and because he actually 
actually holds reverence for what he does, the universe most often says yes. That is, I love that. Thank you, Raven, for that. I love that. We just need to send Manifold to go destroy Noel and King of Black. Like, we don't need Eddie Brock to get the Captain Universe symbiote thing, even though that was cool. I don't know if y'all know about that. So, but, oh well, it's okay. I mean, we do know. <laughs> you do now. Um, but that's a really cool moment. Go, you should go read it. But, but fucking Manifold can get pockets of the, the heat of the sun and just throw it at them. So, mm-hmm. I, like, KO. There you go. <laughs> like, but I was, thing. I was actually, um, discussing this after I read this. Uh, with Juan uh, Chango ATX and I was saying so they made it a point to say that Manifold's not in Omega like, they mentioned it a few times mm-hmm. so and even like Noel was like like if you have your power what's someone like you that is an Omega that has your power mm-hmm. and that's what I was thinking if someone like what do y'all think if someone like him is an Omega with that power would they even have to ask the universe for permission or they could do whatever they want like, I think they'd still be asking the universe but it would come even easier like they wouldn't need stars to navigate they wouldn't need to know where they were to to make a jump so i mean i didn't gateway have a a similar power because the gateway was kind of a mentor to manifold he has a similar power i mean he can like his like his uh like his name is he just creates gateways so he mm-hmm. got i think he kind of talks to the universe in a way too where he like can because you know manifold can open gateways as well but manifold right. is like the next level because mm-hmm. gateways his grandfather right so oh i wonder if he has any kids because his kid might be the omega yeah we don't know where um where manifold's dad is i i'd have to reread that and see what happened to them if we ever found out because at this mm-hmm. moment i cannot remember but <laughs> that's a good thing to read Research. Listeners, if you know, at us and tell us, please, because I do not remember. Send us, screenshot the comic, and then at the podcast. <laughs> yes, please. Yes, please. But can we go to the next page and be like, <laughs> their fucking Megazord is having a dance party while oh the end God. of the world is happening, y'all. <laughs> oh my God, they're throwing a freaking rave. This is the best part of like having an event of Krakoa because then you get moments like that. <laughs> so good. I need WizKid to start like a Power Rangers team because he needs to be like a DJ. That's all I'm getting from this. (laughs) Oh, I wonder if they could use the sword station to do this to the earth. (laughs) Oh, just like (laughs) (laughs) let the beat drop. (laughs) (laughs) Just stab it into the earth and just make music. See, like. All they need is the mutants <gasps> to help save the earth. Oh my god. But then they want the humans want to get rid of mutants. See? Right. Ungrateful. Ungrateful. So ungrateful. <laughs> I was Robbie. If you were having this, if you were if you were like Wizkid and you were in charge of the music, what would the, what would be playing right now? In universe, I would probably play like a Dazzler song. But um, honestly, I would probably be playing some Britney Spears. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Why she's fun? <laughs> yeah, she is. She is. She is. Or 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 maybe I... Megan the Stallion. I like her too. I would, I would play Megan the Stallion. Yeah. What about you, Raven? For this, for the sake of defeating Null, I would probably go with Evanescence. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. I she get has. That. A, there's. There's that really amazing voice, and she hits like some really strong notes. So for the reasons of defeating Null, I would go with Evanescence. If I were to go with just my own happy fun, I would go with uh, My Chemical Romance. (laughs) You all have picked all good choices. I would play Lady Gaga's Chromatica album. That's what I would play. (laughs) That is a good choice. The intro lubes and everything. All the way up. You're Maybe not, not the slower ones, because it's not as dancey. But still. <laughs> Blast the fuck out of Nullified with Gaga. <laughs> but we need to like we need to make a playlist of what they're going to play on Krakoa to defeat Noel. That's the new playlist, y'all. <laughs> right. Right. That'd be hilariously good. But now Noel is slowly leaving Krakoa, and mm-hmm. Cable feels like a piece of poop again as the <sighs> Cable dies. Uh, why am I never good enough he he has his father in him cyclops is very like that (laughs) phrasing (laughs) oh no but no he's he's crying like a little bitch i'm sorry but like he is you you expect to be the winner every single time i'm like do you know how many times your father got his ass kicked how many times the x-men like got knocked the fuck down like the difference between being one of the great x-men and being like a washout is the fact that they kept kidding up they grieved when they lost somebody they trained harder so it wouldn't happen again and he just like it's one giving up after another like happened in uh x of swords now it's happening here again like dude you're not just gonna be great all the time you actually gotta work at that shit yes and i hope he works on it in sword because i know we're this is basically probably where we're all only gonna see cable because his solo is ending so and i'm happy to see more growth in cable within sword i'm yeah. i i'm happy about that because i like young cape despite everything my favorite line in this whole book is what we base is what a lot of like a, like people of color lgbt and everything should use is so let's refrain from blaming ourselves for the acts of our oppressors mm-hmm. i that when i read that i was like oh what did he say let me read that again and mm-hmm. that was so good i love that it took all of us here without effort if there is a common factor there it's not deficiency of talent so let's refrain from blaming ourselves for the acts of our pressure like oh that was so powerful like so so powerful right there like he's pointing out like look you're not the only one that got taken like your dad got taken like all of us including myself and i'm a freaking omega level like we all all got taken so it's not your fault single-handedly and don't let the enemy get in your head like that i just love that too because i feel like and i i feel like all ewing meant to say this because he's used the word oppressors mm-hmm. so it's like like when like people of color are attacking their own community for mm-hmm. like more i guess societal oppressions it's like well let's lift each other up so we can all succeed in this instead of like tearing each other down that are doing well or something mm-hmm. to that degree or even in like the lgbtq people like either like i know when people like it's just when you see more successful people i feel like in either group and then you're like well they could be doing more for us it's like well then educate them on what they could be doing for us or try to welcome them in the community because if you 
only give each other hate, and I feel like you've definitely seen this in the mutant community too, in the comic book, mm-hmm. they're going to retract, mm-hmm. like call, like give showing people negative energy over and over again doesn't bring them towards you. You know, mm-hmm. don't don't blame them for things that are happening because of acts of past oppressors or because of the how the oppressive's actions have affected us. Let's come together mm-hmm. and fight through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautifully said. Thank Absolutely you. spot on. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that's like yeah that's absolutely dead on it was and beautiful <laughs> yeah yeah he's like okay now we gotta regroup and get back on our feet and we can do this oh i always love that and then and thank goodness that he's like move sunfire to the front of the queue because i'm like oh yep. no <laughs> bring back sunfire bring back the krakoan sun yeah and i like oh. how magneto's like man a folk go guard at the gate and he's like well you're not my boss i got a brand if brand says so he's like no 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 no, no. i said go guard the gate <laughs> like mm-hmm. he's like take it as red i was like oh right you know feisty <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I, I still love this closing panel like so freaking much because that like that's a beautiful pose like very Shakespearean, very powerful and and oh man the artwork again the artwork the color the everything just works so perfectly and so freaking well and yeah and and as Fabian Cortez is <laughs> dead in his hands. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, your little ponytail blowing in the breeze. I know. I love I, that they left the ponytail there. I would have really have loved to get that image, but for like a cover of an issue. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be nice. Maybe they'll make it like, a variant. Oh, that would be nice. Because it could be easily like a very hauntingly like beautiful cover. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. Absolutely. I definitely agree. But to make this, this see, the last pa- like the last page that actually that isn't um, data pages um, is very beautiful. But it's also very haunting. So I'm like, Magneto, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Why, don't step into bad habits, Magneto. We are trying to create goodness here in Krakoa. And look what you're doing. Look what you're doing. Just going and do he's back on his bullshit. Right. <laughs> I, it's almost like he can't help himself. He can't, and I get it. You know, he has trauma, and he's like, "We gonna, we gonna fuck shit up." Because I'm gonna use, Fab- <laughs> I'm gonna use Fabian Cortez to amp everybody up. We just gonna take over. Like right. I wanted to from the beginning. <laughs> mm, that could be bad, though. That could be really, really bad. And I feel like that's what he's doing. Because then we go to the next page, and we get what? Look what he sends to the Quiet Council. Mm-hmm. So, like. Yeah. Robbie, what did you think about what he said to the Quiet Council? I'm very curious how that's all going to play out. And then I'm also very curious about that other page, too, how it has, like, because I'm assuming it's Amelia Vot's last name. Mm-hmm. So I'm real curious how a lot of this is going to play out overall. Yeah. Like, Xavier has the same worries that I feel like we all had. He's like, mm-hmm. while there's no technical reason not to grant your request for this meeting, I strongly urge you to reconsider it. It's playing with fire, old friend. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, even Frenzy said that in the other past issues. She's like, oh no, here we go. Fabian and Magneto talking again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Fabian gonna, is addictive. Someone's going to have to check Magneto. I don't know who it's going to be. Right. But <laughs> I mean, it's kind of hard to do. <laughs> but, right. But it's going to be so good. It's going to be good.
Hey everybody, Nico here one more time. Now, okay, I said Black Knight, and you probably all said to yourself, but why? Black Knight is one of Captain Britain's oldest, currently in print, allies. Black Knight and Captain Britain were both in the Otherworld Saga in the pages of Hulk UK 1-46. to Now, that arc, the Otherworld Saga, had previously been collected in Captain Britain Volume 2, The Siege of Camelot. It's now going to be collected in an expanded edition of the Captain Britain Omnibus by Alan Moore and Alan Davis. Now, the material contained in the original Omnibus covers roughly the contents of Marvel Superheroes 377 through Captain Britain's appearances in the U.S. Now, that's roughly 600 pages of story. Interestingly enough, the new pressing that's going to come out later this year is going to contain the roughly 600 pages of content from the two hardcovers that have long been out of print that precede this volume. So I'm personally very excited that so many people are going to have an opportunity to read this incredible story. And to get excited about it, we're going to talk a little bit about Black Knight number one. Blake pointed out that there was a King and Black tie into this as well. And we wound up talking about this so long that this segment wound up getting split in two. We're going to have part two in the next episode with a little bit more on that King and Black special that preceded it. But until then, guys, we love making this show for you. And if you like what you hear, you might like what you see. So go ahead and give us a subscribe over on Twitter, YouTube, or Patreon at X's for Podcast. As always, we would love it if you guys could drop a review for us on Apple Podcasts. Guys, until next week, enjoy this last segment. Keep those mutant lights lit, this Krakoan gateways open, and guys, we'll see ya. Hey everybody, welcome back to X's for Podcast. I'm Nico, and you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. Hey, it's Nathan. You can find me cutting my way out of my own body on Twitter and Instagram at DazzlerAOA. And I'm your friendly neighborhood ex-nerd Blake, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BTMorgan85. And I'm Jonah, and you can follow me over on Twitter and Instagram at PeakJonah, and we hope you survive this experience, just like Black Knight did, because spoilers, he didn't die, he lived. So, for those of you not familiar with Black Knight, Black Knight is one of those sort of like classic Avengers characters that I was never sure how they were going to make work. So, okay, we're going to do a little bit of an Avengers history lesson to start off this X-Men story book. Okay, so there's no X-Men in it, just let me fucking have this, okay? So here's what happened. The Black Knight was one of those classic Avengers characters. Now, contrary to popular belief, hindsight is twenty twenty. You know what I mean? To think about how popular things are and perspective on things in hindsight, right? Everybody says, oh, the X-Men are a hit, the X-Men are a hit. The X-Men weren't a hit until Chris Claremont took over at issue 94. So as much as the X-Men were a hit starting in 1975, there's 12 years of X-Men stories before they were a super success. Daredevil struggled to find its footing ever until until Frank Miller came along in the mid-70s. Now, that means there was a decade of Daredevil prior to Frank Miller. What most people don't realize then is Bullseye didn't show up until Daredevil 120-something. Kingpin and Elektra showed up in the 160s and 170s. These mainstays of Daredevil didn't show up for like 15-plus years. Right now, what does that have to do with the Avengers? As we understand the Avengers, we sort of have a vague idea of who the Avengers are in terms of the MCU, but that representation doesn't really match the comics. As silly as it sounds, the modern MCU Avengers are a lot closer to a reapproximation of the Brian Michael Bendis New Avengers. This sort of, oh, it's the best pieces of, and it's some other people too, don't worry about it. Black Knight was one of those Avengers mainstays. He was just always on the fucking Avengers. It didn't matter what issue of Avengers you picked up. There he was in that dumb bucket helmet right there, right? And what happened over time was guys wielding swords got less cool, I guess. 
right? And Black Knight wound up being one of the characters that sort of got remainder itemed in the Brian Michael Bendis New Avengersification of the Avengers. There was room for magic, sure, but the magic had to be flashy and big and Wanda. Now, Black Knight as a character has been traded around across a ton of properties. Nathan, I think no one knows this better than you. I believe you and I have a soft spot for a specific thing that happens to the Black Knight when he gets sent to the Exiles universe. Oh my god, Ultra Force. Holy jeez, right? So yeah, a little bit to explain is uh, Marvel bought Malibu, and Malibu Comics had its own universe called the Ultra Force, the Ultraverse, and they sent Black Knight and Cersei over there. Like, Eternal Cersei. Absolutely. I mean, and also, like, during that time you had in the Exiles, you had Sienna Blaze, Reaper, and Juggernaut, which was crazy. And that was, like, the first time we got to really, like, soft boy Kane, too. That's why, like, I love that era. Now, that's a really unbelievable thing to mention, that Black Knight had stuff over at Malibu, and he actually had a number of titles over at Marvel UK. Blake, Jonah, here's my question for you guys. When I say Black Knight, what comes to mind? An Avenger with over 300 appearances in the title? What came to mind was the Jon Snow actor, because I knew absolutely nothing of, of Black Knight. I mean, I heard the name. I heard that he had some romps with Cersei, and you know they're casting him, and they're hoping to make him like a, a new thing in the upcoming MCU stuff. I didn't really know much. I thought he looked kind of cool. I looked at some covers. I liked sword sorcery stuff. You know, that's why I bought like a million variants for X of Swords because I, I heard Swords and I was like, you, you got it. You got my money. And I really like Simon Spurrier. He is a great writer and he's got a really good sense of humor that really shines in these. But I really, this whole issue like really took me off guard. This is like the hero for me. Like you're an Avenger with low self-esteem and you use self-deprecating humor to like keep yourself from spiraling uh, because of the dark thoughts in your mind because this you wield this phallic thing that makes you do bad things. Like, I'm a man, <laughs> like, my phallic thing makes me do bad things sometimes. And it was like, shit, man, like, this is this dude is for me. And it made me laugh and had great art. I'm looking forward to going back in time and, and checking out some of his stuff. He's got, like, a weird, a weird past. I like that they call him the Black Knight because he seems kind of like the black sheep of the Marvel Universe. Jonah, how about you? How did you feel about Dane? Now, I know you've heard me, not Taylor Dane, because I would need you to tell that to my heart, but... I love Dane Whitman so much, and you've heard me go on and on about him. What are your thoughts on the Black Knight, especially with this weird entry point somewhere like halfway between a recap and a new issue? I have a different frame of reference when you say Black Knight to me. My first thought goes to Fire Emblem. Black Knight is a character in there who has probably one of the fam- one of the best, you know, crit quotes of know your place. It's really badass. But the second thing I think about with Black Knight is way, 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 way back in Marvel 1000, when they were going over these characters that they used to have, or, or they still have, but they just haven't been seen in a really long time, and these characters that have been around for years, I believe Black Knight had a dedicated story to him, if I'm not mistaken, about, you know, Camelot. And that is where my mind, for this in terms of comic first went and then i read this issue and i was like oh cool we got another sad boy but this sad boy is funny because he doesn't want to be sad but he's like nobody likes me i just want to be liked why why do they hate me 
and everyone's like you're kind of weird and he's like that's not my fault i can't if, i can't use my powers if i'm not weird and they're like well that's your double-edged sword and he's like but there's only one edge on this sword i love how hard you ran that into the ground that was beautiful <laughs> i'm really proud of you as a man who loves you i'm that was today my son you are a joke man that was awesome so i want to intersect with something you said about how you know it's kind of hard to to find a lot that you know about this character you go to other points of reference and nathan this is another one for you nathan has hungered for a specific omnibus since time immemoria and that omnibus is the captain britain by alan moore and alan davis now the thing about that omnibus is it's getting reprinted in november to include both hardcovers that come before it included in that material that does mean though that this omnibus is now less than one-third alan moore which i do want to be very clear if they're going to continue calling this the alan moore omnibus they're going to have to be very careful about that because in what's about to be a 1200 page omnibus alan moore is going to be responsible for about 220 pages so let's just make sure that we're not misrepresenting the book by its name right it is actually more the alan davis omnibus than it is anything so let's just you know check that a little bit but so this version is going to contain the much-beloved Otherworld Saga. Now, the Otherworld Saga is frequently referred to erroneously as having run from Hulk Weekly number 1 to Hulk Weekly 46, which was a UK weekly magazine. These stories were two to three pages. The majority of them were three-page black-and-white stories with the occasional two-pager to balance out page counts in the book. Now, this also saw a retelling of Captain Britain's origin in a sort of cut-down way to make it easier for fans of the character who had no idea who he was. Captain Britain had disappeared from the pages of Marvel UK toward the end of the 70s and did not reemerge until 1980-1981 for the Otherworld saga in the pages of Black Knight. So I can't help but think that Otherworld saga being released in an omnibus called Captain Britain during a big Captain Britain time coming out right around the time that Black Knight is going to appear in Eternals. That is some really good synergy. Now it's really interesting that the book is going from a 600-page omnibus with two 300-page hardcovers before it to one 1,200-page omnibus in which Black Knight's main contribution is going to be kind of a a middle 140-page footnote, right? So there is an X-Men tie-in here. It's very roundabout. Let me have this. I want it to make sense. Now it does. Okay, so that's pretty much the background on Black Knight as... I think it relates to publishing history. I want to ask for a qu- I want to ask a question for a moment though. Guys, as much as we're saying Black Knight Black Knight, you guys are you perhaps familiar with the fact that there are more Black Knights as well as other Ebony Blades? Dane comes from a long line of Black Knights, right? Because even when you go back to his what like 96 uh special Black Knight Exodus, like he even goes back into the body of his um, ancestor again, which is a Sir really, Percy. Right? It is that is such a cool story, right? It's like basically the origin of Exodus. You can see him before he becomes this crazy genocidal maniac. Oh, love that. So, thank you for pointing out that there's another very nebulous, tenuous, I can barely get away with it, just give me what I want <laughs> sort of connection to the X-Men. Hey, he was an Excalibur too, okay? <laughs> oh, yeah. He ran around new Excalibur for a little bit. That was nice too. 
So were you guys aware, though, that there is a fake ebony blade that was wielded by a villainous version of Black Knight that ran through the pages of Black Panther by Reginald Hudland when Black Panther was getting ma- ready to marry Storm. That story then reintersected with New Excalibur, where Dane was like, oh, I know this is a fake sword, I gotta get the real one back, but the real one's so evil! And yeah, so there is actually more X-Men tie-ins than I thought. I can kind of get away with this one. Listen, if I can find a way to put Elsa Bloodstone into every single title there is in the Marvel Universe, you can you can do this. I can do it. I believe in me. And I want to bring up something that you said, Blake, because you said something really, really interesting. You kind of described him as the everyman. <laughs> like, <laughs> what's really interesting is Dane is like a, you know, a family-held lineage kind of magical character. He's a magical boy in a lot of ways, you know? And he has a sword that eggs him on to do evil. Like, it's so silly in some ways, but there is something kind of, like, I think Bucky always looks really silly, right? Like, I think Bucky by, like, nature is a silly character, but I can get why people get into it. I kind of think the same thing about Black Knight. He's kind of a silly guy. He's just sort of, like, mopey all the time, but there's something fascinating about him. Blake, other than just, like, you know, I can't stop doing bad with my my phallic stick. What was it about this character that brought him to life for you? I I really like the comparisons to Thor. Thor's be worthy to wield the hammer. The sense of worthiness is like the the positive. You know, you have to be heroic. You have to be like this godly, you know, entity that is capable of of great acts and and not just saving the world, but saving all worlds and possibly the universe and, you know, traveling the cosmos. and, And he's a god, you know, but I like how they compare Black Knight to Thor because basically because of the weapon. I think, but it's, it's kind of like the opposite. It's like, he have to, you have to have this darkness, this inherent darkness. Like I like the, um, to kind of hop into the, the King and black one shot, uh, how it, it kind of focuses on, it's not necessarily that the sword is evil. It's that you have to have that darkness inside of you that the sword can connect with. We find that out that null, that's like Null's big revelation in, in the one shot before this mini series starts. I thought that was cool. I like comparing him to Thor. I, I don't want to call him like Thor's antithesis because he's not he's like a kind of i mean he feels especially with the way spurrier writes him he feels like sweet and harmless and goofy you know until he until he starts swinging the sword around um but that that in, that intrigued me and 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 like i said just like he reminded me of uh peter parker as well with just like how bad he wants to be an avenger and how they kind of address he's like i used to be an avenger like i used to hang out with these guys all the time and like now they never call me and i don't like why don't why don't they call me anymore guys why don't why don't you call me anymore and i'm like man i can connect with this guy like it's just i want to be important sometimes i'm not it's just the shit hand that life tells you like sometimes you gotta like you're not you know you're not the the cool awesome person that you think you are all the time you don't see that in superhero comics a lot you know they're always like this icon and he's not an icon really he's he's cool and he's got great faults and he he delivers great lines and he's got a good look but i mean it's not black knight's not the avenger the kids are dressing up for on Halloween, you know? He brought potato salad with raisins one time to the Avengers barbecue, and they've never invited him back. 
Hey, look, maybe it's because Namor used his sword to kill his wife and then Captain Marvel got electrocuted and her powers changed. I don't know. But like to to kind of dial into that for a second, right? I think one of the things that we lost sight of a long time ago in our superhero stories is that everyman quality. Okay, because it's it's the thing about Harry Potter. And I'm I'm going to go there because this book does talk about, you know, classic myth ideas and stuff and Harry Potter is based on so many classic British identity myths and so one of the things is that this idea of the everyman is the character we connect with is kind of super bullshit. We we never really connect with the everyman as a rule in our in our fiction. Think about Harry Potter. How is Harry Potter the everyman? The darkest wizard of all time tried to kill him and failed, making him a super celebrity who lives in hiding like the world's most magical Hannah Montana under the stairs. And then he goes to school where he's King Jock, has an unlimited trust fund, and the headmaster lets him get away with everything, including banging his best friend's younger sister. I'm sorry, can somebody tell me where... Harry Potter is the everyman? Where is that kid accessible? <laughs> You're telling me you didn't go to a magical school where you were basically gifted this destiny to destroy the uh, evil that was trying to destroy the world and that you were the destined hero and that you were scarred as a child and then you bang your best friend's sister? Like you, oh. that didn't happen with you? Oopsie dopes nopes. So <laughs> is he like the is he like the like the magic Jean Grey kind of? Yeah, he is he's a magical boy in like all ways that are significant. He is a you know, he's a a messiah figure in his own story and one of the big things is he has to be written in a cyclical nature like you have to pump his power up so he can beat the bad guy at the end of the book but then you have to set his power back down for the next book so he doesn't get to keep the weapon that saves the day in the second book he doesn't keep the time turner from the third book like there's constant ways that they set him back so he's not more powerful so dragon ball z yeah and i bring all of that up because Captain America is literally defined by a sense of fortitude that should make all of us sob while watching it. When he fixes that strap on his broken shield against Thanos, and then he hears Cap on your left. That's that moment where even though he did not know hope was coming yet, we knew there was 25 minutes left in the movie. He didn't. So he didn't know hope was coming and he fixed his strap anyway. Tony Stark is the super genius, billionaire, playboy, gorgeous model man, child of the same. He's not the everyman. Natasha has no past. Thor, like there are no everymen in the Avengers. Even the closest thing we've got is Bruce Banner, who goes out of his way to make it clear he's not an everyman at every moment. He's never trying to not be special. He's just trying to not be the Hulk. They're two different things. And so Dane represents something we have a sincere dearth of in the Avengers. I can't think of too many Avengers where they're just any guy. And yeah, sure, Hawkeye tries to play any guy. But, dude, you're circus people. You're a circus people spy man. You're a circus people spy man who owns an apartment building. You're not everyday people. He's just a guy with a bow and arrow, man. No, he's a cool dog with a sidekick that's a guy. That's what's happening here. (laughs) But, okay, so, you know, the everyman factor of it really does transform this in some ways. You could almost think of this as the sad narrative of the Avenger who just can't hang in. In order to hang in, he has to access this darkness. Oddly enough, it reminds me of the other swordsmen that the Avengers frequently have. You know, swordsmen. I was like, swordsmen? (laughs) The one who for several years kept bits of his dead sister in his hand. 
NBD, so, so gross, so gross. So, okay, all this said and done, we are actually here to discuss Black, I always said Black Widow number one. <laughs> We're on, here to discuss Black, <laughs> what? I was joking, I was like, hold on, let me pull up my notes for that one. We're here to discuss Black Knight, Curse of the Ebony Blade, number one, by Simon Spurrier and Sergio Fernandez de Villa. And I also want to point out that the issue is called Curse of the Ebony Blade, and then the sword on the cover is gold and red, and I'm like, that's not that ebony. So this issue was sort of a common trope that we love in storytelling. Somebody speaking to an off-panel third party, it kind of is that middle ground between talking to your therapist on The Sopranos and Claire and Phil addressing the camera, right? So we get this really fun interplay, and it's set against what should be like a normal day for Dane, just hanging out with the Avengers. But uh, he gets his head super chopped off, and then he gets reborn after a lady touches the sword. Okay. <laughs> um, I loved this, but I am left with a lot of questions. We've addressed the Dane of it all. We've looked at the Whitman, and we're not talking Walt. I'm cutting that joke. No, I'm not. I'm leaving it in to spite myself. But here's my question about this issue. How do you guys feel about the story itself? I personally think that the point that Blake, you made earlier, and Jonah, you echoed, that Black Knight is an everyman, is further exacerbated by the super extraness of all of his co-vengers. Discuss. Okay, so... Honestly, the thing that I, I love the story, the thing that bothered me the most, like that bothered me at all, was the Avengers reaction. Because this man had been an Avenger for like 200 and something issues. Like he his my two of my favorite Avengers eras, like the lead up to like 300, uh, with Captain Marvel as the leader and the Gathering Saga, both heavily focused on Dane. So I'm like, wait, what? And I just I thought it was really weird that Carol Danvers, of all people, you know, who showed up drunk in a fight once, would be somebody who would try to judge him. He kind of reminded me of Deadpool. This whole issue had the like this fucking guy factor page one like that's basically what, what thor says when he when he shows up he's like oh this this fucking guy and i just he's like sad pool yeah he's, he's sad pool. <laughs> i kept like honestly like i kept with the weird narration and and just the goofiness i really kept waiting for him to break the fourth wall i'm really glad that didn't happen that would have been a little too much but it just it just kind of felt like that's where it was gonna go uh i, I got a big wade wilson vibe from him but yeah like i said initially man i was really taken aback by the humor in a great way i enjoyed it it made me laugh but i did not think that's what i was getting into especially from what i know about king and black and Knoll, is it's, it's very void of humor you know it's a serious event that's been going on for like three years now or something like it's been going on a really long time i feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of Knoll in a lot of places in the corners of the marvel universe right now i wasn't <laughs> expecting to have a bunch of laughs and i wasn't expecting to have the the protagonist the star of this comic book whose name is on the title to like be killed in the first issue like it's just zany and weird man and i don't have a lot of experience with spurrier i just read his god shaper a couple weeks ago which was really intriguing spurrier has like a lot of range and i feel like we're gonna get that in this mini series we're gonna definitely you know talk about depression you know like where that's we're gearing up to that hardcore and it's interesting how we're dealing with that too because even that in itself is they're kind of you know playing it as a joke 
joke where he's talking to the the computer therapist that's not real and he's like venting to like confessing his soul basically to this computer that keeps reminding him that it's just a computer and like can't really help him and so i mean i feel like we're going to touch on some big topics and i'm really interested to see what how spurrier deals with that as someone who knows nothing like about this like i'm i'm excited for more i really love what you said not everything can be a joke same thing not everything can be all darkness all the time if everything is the worst dark ever i lose interest and yeah if there's only ever humor it becomes a problem i agree with you there's a really strong balance well it's like any kind of cooking or baking you need a multitude of flavors if you only have one taste like spicy sweet or sour your thing becomes one note and like any good artistic medium you need to have layers and you need to have multiple different flavors of what's going on what i really liked about this is that it felt unique in the sense of i haven't really read a story about someone who wants to be a hero and has the chops and has the powers and was previously even on the team to everyone not liking him. And they did this really great walking the line of making Black Knight seem like an underdog without him seeming pathetic. And he's literally just there, just wants to help. And everybody's like, why did we invite him again? Who invited him? It's this really interesting juxtaposition of these characters who we often identify as these this pinnacle of goodness and acceptance and you know they're the avengers they're they're meant to help people they're not meant to judge people and we see them judge another superhero who was previously on the team another thing that i really like about this is that black knight is treading on this theme that's really common in uh anime where it's a character who's given this dark power or has to fight this darkness within them and like uh holding back and like they're often super dramatic and super over the top and i even though i know it's tend to, it tends to be overdone in anime i find it really enjoyable because i think it's very funny um and i think they did a really good capturing of what that means in american comics so i'm kind of excited to see how that continues for the most part, I I don't know if this issue gave me the best idea of who Black Knight is, because I don't know if it goes through the prerequisite knowledge, if there is any, for a new reader to understand more about him. I think having a little more time, or even another page, having a page or two to talk about why exactly the Avengers don't like him, what really went wrong what's going on with everything I think would have helped more to understand where the Avengers are coming from, where the Black Knight is coming from, why he's feeling like this. I think there's a lot more that needs to be said in this issue if you're new to the Black Knight, which I imagine a lot of readers are. And I have to imagine a lot of readers are coming into this like, oh, I heard he's going to be in Eternals and it's it's that guy who was in the Game of Thrones, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this and Find out more about this guy. And I think what they're going to be in for is a lot like Blake, a pretty interesting surprise. Now, I'm going to be honest, when I think of Black Knight, I do sort of think of uh, Charlie Brown trying to kick the sword ball. Like, that really is my Black Knight mental image. And there is something so significant. 
significant about the fact that they bring up Cersei in this issue. Did anybody else catch that? Yes, of Cersei's all last All yeah. of the Black Knight canon to reference. They referenced the Eternals canon that's likely to appear in the upcoming film. This is a significant point for me because this is them saying they're trying with the Black Knight. Now, I've made some really aggressively critical statements on a number of occasions about the concerns I have when they try to make a character work. Very rarely does a, this is the next big thing. Very rarely does it like slap you in your face hole very well. Uh, You've seen it happen a little bit here and there with Miles Morales, who was, you know, the most beloved character out of nowhere. Ms. Marvel, who is, you know, queen. But for every one of the two of them, there is, there is a failed Red Hulk. There is a failed Agent Venom. There is always some parallel title that didn't see the same level of overwhelming success. I'm a pretty big Jeff Lemire fan, and his follow-up to Hawkeye by Matt Fraction existed for about 30 seconds and then flamed out. It got two six-issue runs and then was just done. And I think you can see a lot of that throughout the Marvel Universe, this sort of forced, feigned, um, sort of a dishonesty to the this is why it's a big thing now, right? I wonder if they really want the inroads to be clear here. Whether or not you're ready for it, Marvel is going to make Black Knight a thing, and they're positioning it carefully by making the connectivity unavoidable. I'm almost surprised there isn't uh, an editor's box letting me know that I should just go see Eternals number two for a little bit more on Cersei. You know, that's that's a good point. Um, you know, that's how I got into Guardians of the Galaxy. I, a lot of people don't like Brian Bendis' Guardians of the Galaxy run, but, you know, when, when Marvel announced they were going to do that movie, I was like, what the hell is this? And then they did the zero issues and the in the character one shots for Guardians before uh, Brian's run kicked off, and I was there for that, and I was pulling them, and I was really infatuated with it, and I that's I like fell in love with Rocket Raccoon. I was like, who the hell is this little furry bastard? Like this is amazing, and you know, and this was before I didn't know. I used to read a lot of DC and indie. I I didn't have as much Marvel experience as I do these days, and so you know, I hadn't read Annihilation and Conquest, and I hadn't you know ventured into that cosmic part of the Marvel world and so I didn't know these characters and so like I think that's why I really enjoy Brian Bendis's Guardians run because it was like my first take with them and it, it really blew me away and I connected with them but I feel like I feel like they're gonna do that again with this and honestly I mean it obviously worked for me like it got me to buy the comics and it I bought the, the Guardians of the Galaxy hot toys that were 200 bucks a piece and like I just I went into it hard I fell in love with it and I'm feeling that as well here um, I haven't read the new Eternals yet I I hear it's good. Um, and, you know, I knew, you know, from Googling Black Knight to learn a little bit more about him. It worked with Guardians of the Galaxy for me and, and like, you know, three or four other people. So hopefully it'll work for Black Knight and the Eternals. Yeah, that's uh, talk, talking about like the Cersei relationship, like in the Eternals, like that. When I found out they were putting Black Knight in the Eternals, I was like, wow, that's a bold move because like I said the wiki doesn't do a really good job of explaining it. But basically, um, she was losing her facilities, right? Because she needed to link with the Unimind. So she was forced Dane into a sort of soulmate like kind of situation with the John Joshin. I don't know if that's how you say it exactly. So it was like a forced relationship really on Cersei's point because Dane at that time was really into Crystal who was you know kind of not with her husband anymore and kind of getting over vision. So crazy low trend. Really crazy trend. Now Jonah, I know you're somebody who has benefited so much from this synergistic approach to reimagining characters. 
I pulled you in being like, but look at Wolverine. And you were like, um, Laura. And I'm like, and look at Laura. And you're like, Gabby. And so like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you, no, no, hold on. Don't forget. Don't you dare forget. You were like Wolverine. And I was like, no, Dokken. You were like Dokken. How dare I? How dare I? But so this new generation of characters, they do it for you. And I said that really weirdly aggressively, but they do. And so how do you feel about Marvel saying, hey, guys, it's not just the new ones. Take a look at this older model. We've cleaned him up a little bit. We've chopped his head off. We've straightened everything out for you. We gave him an exciting writer who likes to get fucking weird. And we want to know what you guys want to do. Do you guys want to play with the Black Knight? How does this work for you? Do you, I don't get in this guy's van. God damn, Jonah, please don't get in this guy's van. But how is this approach to reintroducing classic characters working out for you? I I appreciate it because I think there's a there's a treasure trove of characters that aren't being utilized. I mean, when we covered Marvel 1000 ages ago at this point, I talked about falling in love with the character of Blonde Phantom. Was she really anything spectacular? No, but I was excited about her because she had a little bit more of a simplistic design and this idea of this super badass woman finding a dress and being like, I'm going to be a super hero in this dress was iconic and amazing and something that I would absolutely read today. So I don't think that there needs to be new characters introduced constantly. I think having new characters is fun and really great and special. But there's so much, there's so many characters that aren't being utilized, that aren't in a title, that haven't been seen for years, that really, it's almost a waste. You have these IPs, use them, especially when these are, there are characters that haven't been seen or used in a very long time. You kind of get to make them a new character because you can give them a brand new design and you can redefine their story and their characteristics. Basically, the work's already done for you. You just got to make it your own. So I appreciate this step of having the mix of introducing these new characters that I think are cool. For a character that is brand new that we've really only seen in the Juggernaut series, I would read more of D-Cell. But I would also read more of Blonde Phantom, Black Knight, or all these much older characters that we've seen that are part of Marvel's history that aren't getting, quote-unquote, their fair justice. Now, does everybody need a book? No. Unfortunately, this is not how things work, and we don't have unlimited time, art, and money to buy comics of characters that nobody has heard of for a while, and nobody is going to want to spend time on these characters if nobody's going to buy their art. But I think it's really important that they continue with this balance of, all right, we have, we've introduced some new characters in the past, let's bring somebody else back. Who haven't we used in a while? It's really, I, I, it, I, it's almost mind-boggling that they're not even doing more characters that have already been seen. And I kind of think that goes back to the heart of one of the ways that you did used to see a lot of these characters. Now, let's, you know, contextualize this for a minute. But back in the heyday of there's only so many titles and people only have such a budget, you had things like Avengers Spotlight and you had things like Marvel Comics Presents and you would have a backup story Run. Marvel team-ups. Yeah, Marvel team-ups. You would have backup stories running things. You would have reprints with new pages added. And that sort of kind of more natural approach where, oh, you might come across something which then hooks you in has to have gotten lost in this age of trade, unfortunately. I would really, rather than 
because honestly, I don't think I need to buy this in print every month. Like, I would not buy an ongoing series of this Black Knight just yet. It does feel a little... This book did feel a little 2006 in some ways, right? But if this was one of a series of Marvel Infinite Avengers stories, and they had Marvel Infinite X-Men stories, and every week I could pay $1.99 for a digital exclusive 15-page story, and every calendar month the character changed, I would buy this sort of thing expressing a multitude of the Marvel Universe in a heartbeat. How do you guys feel about uh, sort of mix and matching titles like that? Would you guys be open to a sort of continuous rotating roster? Or are you guys here for the Black Knight of it? Do you guys want more Black Knight ongoing? While I've not always liked the issues that came out of it, what I did like about the idea of Marvel Team-Up is showing two heroes that might not have interacted or haven't interacted before interact. I think it's much more fun when you have an interactive universe where you're constantly seeing cameos and people interact with one another and having these either weird or funny moments. I think that it's a really great way to be creative. So I would, you know, almost enjoy a return to form of do like a monthly, I would buy a monthly Marvel team up of two characters who have never teamed up before trying to interact with one another because I think it would be hysterical. Didn't they do that uh, with, during AVX? Um, they did the, the, oh, A, yeah, plus, the yeah. A plus X or something. Yeah. They did the yeah. random team ups. Yeah. Or they were fight. They fought. They were random like Mortal Kombat matches between two random, like an Avenger. It's like one Avenger, one X Man. But what's happening is, and this is the fault of designing things with such similar titles all on top of each other. You're sort of combining two separate books. So <laughs> there was AVX, which was Avengers versus X-Men. And then there was AVX versus, which was six issues of Mortal Kombat style one-on-one fights. Then immediately following AVX as a part of a tie-in to the Uncanny Avengers X-Men Avengers Unity Squad, there was A plus X putting one Avenger and one X-Men together on a mission. Oftentimes it would be split two ways and like you would randomly get Loki and Magneto working together for no reason, which could not be any kind of mission ever. Yeah, it was a, it was an odd book, but it gave us some really brilliant artists and writers coming up in exciting ways. I was going to say that Rogue and Natasha story, that was beautiful. Like in that line, I was like, oh, uh, to agree with uh, Jonah and Blake too, kind of, I, I really would love to see like that happen. Like I'd almost love to see more of like a Marvel comic present kind of book instead of like a, like a Marvel team up just where like you've got like these fat characters that like get a little spotlight in like a three segment book i kind of enjoy these minis a they're easier to pull you know you're it's not as big of a commitment five or six issues you know like i'm not a rich man but i can i can do an extra five or six issues over the span of six months or so you know like it's not it's not a terrible commitment or it's it's going to come out as like a a quick fun trade later if you're a trade waiter um but i i kind of like this idea of what marvel's doing is you know bringing on these these writers that aren't normative big two you know go-to names and saying hey you know we're gonna we'll give you like five or four to six issues and you know run with it show us what you can do get weird with it and i like that that experimentation and i like the freedom that they appear to be giving the writers based off these two issues from spurrier that i just read you know with black knight and and what i've heard and seen teased for beta ray bill with dwj um so but i mean i I, the old kid me would love the team-ups like i really did love that shit and ate it up um but older me who you know like 
I want to play the 80 hour RPG for the story and, and get absorbed. Like I kind of like these mini series, man. Like I, I like to kind of be swept away and I'm, I'm not the, I don't have like the biggest hard on for continuity. Like I don't care about Canon all the time. I want great stories. I just need for a great story to be a great story. I needed to consider the character as a whole. Otherwise I'm going to have to start figuring out what iteration of what version of the character you're doing. Oh, so you're dropping that this ever happened to them and you're dropping that that ever happened to them. So this is if they had lost their father, but were still dating that person didn't lose their powers and is now in space. Got it. So we're cutting half of the canon from this era and keeping half of the canon from that era. Got it. Like that just starts to make my head spin too hard. I need I can, some canon. I, I, yeah, I, I can see how, how people like you that have a lot more of, of experience and, and like the trivial knowledge of, of the Marvel Universe. and Let's go with trivia, not trivial. Let's go with trivia, not trivial. Not trivial. Sorry. Me talk good on, on, pad, on podcast today. Um, yeah, trivia knowledge. But uh, I can see how that is an issue when, you, when you're a lot more familiar with a, with a character's you know mythos and and the whole encompassing nature of it all and and as opposed to like someone like me or a new reader who's coming in like 